The following is a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org. We are so honored that you're here today. We, we are honored that you've come today. If you're here for the first time, we welcome you. If you're here for the thousandth time, we welcome you back to this church. We welcome those who are listening on podcast uh, from El Paso, Texas today. We say hi to you and welcome to the Central Coast of California. Well, you've just heard that we're on our third week of our series called Moving Mountains. Now, this is a series about God moving the big things in our life. It's not a spiritual, it's not a how-to series, rather. It's not a 10 steps on how to do this. Nothing wrong with those kinds of series, but this is a spiritual series. All of us have mountains in our lives that we can't move, and we're talking about how God does that in our hearts. So just to remind you, three weeks ago we started with moving mountains of forgiveness. We talked about how we all have these people we're challenged by and how God helps us with that, but the main mechanism for us for that is forgiveness, that we need to actually say, I am sorry. And if we can't say, I'm sorry, then at least we can say, I'm sorry for not loving you the way God wants me to love you. Or at least we think that. And last week, Israel had an awesome message on moving mountains of loneliness, of isolation. And so we commend that to you. Today, I want to talk about moving mountains of debt. Now, it's wonderful that we have only one screen on, so I can't see you today. And so this is just between you and God. But I want to begin this message by asking how many people here have some kind of debt? some kind of mortgage. Come on, get those hands up. That's good for you. Some kind of car payment, some kind of credit card, Abercrombie and Fitch, something in your life. Okay, cool. Uh, And I want you to know that there are about 90% of Americans, actually it's got to be 99% of Americans, have some kind of debt, and it's about $8 trillion in the country, private debt. Now, who in this room has, has no debt at all? No mortgage? Who has no, no credit card? Who has no Nope, nobody here? Nobody is debt-free? A couple people? Okay, you, you can go. You can go. You are excused from this message. We had more at the 830, huh? It's funny. Uh, maybe the 830 crowd are better with money. Okay. So I want to talk about debt today, and I want to begin with a very big statement, and that is this. God, God's plan for our lives is not that we would have debt. Now, I, I know that's a big statement, but I want to say it again. God's plan for our lives is that we would not have debt. Now, if we're talking about sins, it's technically, it would be difficult to say that it's a sin in the Bible. However, from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, God talks about debt. In one of the most important sermons Jesus ever gave, the Sermon on the Mount, this was his seminal, focused sermon, he gives a prayer, remember, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, I know many of you say trespasses. That's a good translation, but the Greek is better here. Ophelia is the Greek, which literally means the things we owe to one another. Jesus would carry this on, and he would say, if you ever come to church and you have a debt among your brother, settle that debt first, then come to church. Now, the reason for this is Jesus was concerned about debts, but more importantly, he didn't want anything to come in between our relationship with God. More importantly, he only wanted us to feel indebted to God and not us to feel indebted to one another. But as I said, that I know that we live in a country, and I'm included into the debt pile. My wife, Star, and I have some debt. We, remember when we first started, uh, when we were first married, we wanted to get a house. We were so excited about getting a house. And I remember the first question they asked us when we went to get a house, they said, what is your credit rating? Now, you know, a credit rating, how do you get a credit rating, a score? It's how much you've borrowed and given back. 
It would be crazy. You can't even live in this country in some ways, although you can, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, about without debt. It's fascinating. I want you to think about this number for a second. Most Christians, and they've done studies on Christians, they have found that they give basically 1% to the church. They give 1% to the church. And most Christians pay off the top of their salary at some point in the year, 10% of their salary goes to the debt that they've taken out. So if you make $30,000 a year, literally at some point in the year, you're giving $3,000 to the bank or to, to somebody that you've borrowed money from. But I want you to begin our message today with a question for yourself. What would it be like if you didn't have any debt in your life at all? What would it be like if, if you had total freedom? You, you owed nobody anything. You, the furniture you could buy or, or the people you could help the friends, the family who are struggling, or the vacations you could take. If you weren't cutting the top of your salary, 10% to whatever debt payment that you're paying off, the things that we could do in our lives. I mean, just think about this for a minute. What if you could tell me, Graham, I am really sick of these black chairs we have to sit on every single week. And my wife and I have prayed about it, and we are so tired about them. Here's a check. You get us some theater seating by next week, or we're out of here. I'd be like, yes, sir. Those are the kind of requests that I like. What if you could do that in your life? What if, what if you could give away? What if this number was reversed? What if you could give away 10% and you would have 0% in your life that you would have to pay off in debt? I want to explore that question today, and I also want to lift up Dave Ramsey. It's a great series. Now, I say it's $100. That may seem counterintuitive. None of this money goes to Highlands. It's a university class. But we want you to know that we have scholarships for anyone here who wants that. We have people in this room who have given money because they know how important this class is. And when those scholarships run out, we will go into the Samaritan Fund at Highlands. If you need us to help you pay for this class, we will pay for it. We know it's that important. What I want to do today is not give you the nuts and bolts of financial freedom. That's Dave Ramsey. I want to talk about the spiritual process of being financially free of debt. Because I believe, fundamentally, it is a spiritual problem in our lives. So the text we're going to look at today is a text where it's very strange. You've probably never heard a sermon on it. I've never preached it because I couldn't figure it out until this week. It's a text of Jesus at the end of his ministry, and he is on the Mount of Olives right across from the temple— So he's about ready to end his life, and he goes to the temple one day, and he is hungry, and he wants a fig. So he goes to this tree that is a fig tree to get a fig from it, and there is nothing on it. Jesus is really upset, and he actually curses the tree and says, may you never bear fruit again. Now imagine that as a parallel for debt. Is that not a good illustration of debt in our lives? Is debt not a tree that bears no fruit? Actually, it's worse than that. Debt doesn't just bear no fruit. It takes fruit out of our lives. Uh, Debt is a tree that takes fruit from us. So think about that. Actually, I'm kind of happy we only have one screen today because this is another good image for what debt is. Debt is going through life with one screen. (laughs) Like one eye open and one eye closed. And I want to talk about how God spiritually moves through that process in our lives. Let's look at our text. We're looking at Matthew 21, 18 through 22. Listen for God's word. Jesus begins this way. This is from the Sermon on the Mount. No, this is not the Sermon on the Mount. This is the end of his ministry. He begins this way. Early in the morning, that's my biggest problem with Jesus. He's a morning person and I'm not, but let's move on. Early in the morning, 
As he was on his way back to the city, Jesus is on the Mount of Olives. He's going to Jerusalem to the temple. He was hungry. Jesus, remember, is fully God, fully human. He is hungry, just like you and I are going to be in a little bit. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except for leaves. Now, again, I've done a little research. Some of you know more about trees than I have. But fig trees apparently always have something on them that has some life. A tiny bud, a tiny fig, but all year round they somehow have something in them that has figness in about it. Or I don't know if that's a word, but... <laughs> Jesus goes up to this tree, he sees nothing on this tree. In other words, its main purpose is to make figs, and it doesn't make figs. There is no purpose for this tree. And again, of course, Jesus would use this image again and again. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Connect from, to, to me and you will have grapes. Disconnect from me, there will be no grapes in your life. He also continued this. Remember, he says, a good tree bears good fruit. A bad tree bears bad fruit. He would actually say, this is a really, really, really bad tree. It bears nothing. So Jesus is so upset about this fruit tree that doesn't bear fruit, he immediately curses it. May you never bear fruit again. Again, cross-apply this to debt in our lives. Wouldn't it be great if you could say to your credit card, may you never charge me interest again. May you never be a part of my life again. And the thing just withers right there on your desk. The disciples are so amazed by this, they say they are amazed. The Greek is thaomazo, which is a bad translation. A better translation is, huh? that is a better translation of thaomazo. The, the disciples are flummoxed that Jesus could do this. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. King James is better. Verily, verily. Anytime Jesus wants you to hear something, he says, truly, truly. Listen, listen. Hear, hear. If you have faith... And do not doubt, not only can you do what I just did to this fig tree, but also you can say to that mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Now it's important here. The the word for believe here is pisteo, which doesn't, it's not like a Jiminy Cricket theology, like, you know, give a little whistle and it happens. It's not that. This is pisteo, which means you're walking towards something. Jesus is really saying, if you walk towards this thing, moving a mountain, if you know in your heart, if you have active following in your life, God will stoop in, and there will be a connection to help you move that mountain. And I I will tell you, in 11 years of ministry, I have almost never seen this not work. I've seen people come into my offices with all kinds of problems, marital problems, and and, and, and health problems, and, and, and debt problems. And almost never have I seen people who walk towards God, not have, somehow have God lean in towards them. Now again, this is really important. This is not a, you know, believe it and conceive it, and you will receive it, or, you know, the point. It, it, is, it is a faithful following God, and God leaning into us. And that applies to debt, too. One example of this in my life, and I'd love to hear your examples of faith, is growing up, my parents had two rules with us. There were three kids in the family. I'm the oldest. Then there was my sister, Tila, and then brother, Jamie. And my parents said two things growing up. Now, when you guys leave, there's two rules here. Are you clear? I said, we got it. He said, number one, you are going to college. That's not like a question. You don't have an option here. You're going to college. This is a necessary part, we feel, of your lives. Secondly, wherever you get into college, we will pay the bill, the whole thing. But you're going to college and we're paying for it. Is that clear? We said, it's clear. 
Now, when my parents said this, I don't think they really knew exactly how much college cost. (laughs) I mean, when I was going to college, it was obscene. $30,000 on average to go to a liberal arts college for one year. And you add that times four because you got to go four years. And then you multiply that times three. And you're looking at a massive bill. By the way, I just checked into how much Westmont College, Westmont College in Santa Barbara costs, $59,000 a year. That's worth it. Okay, let's move on. Uh, so, but my dad and mom made this commitment to us, and they were going to follow through on it. So we went to, I went to McAllister College in St. Paul, Minnesota, and my parents paid the bill on that. My sister went to Lewis and Clark College up in Portland, Oregon, and they paid the bill on that. And then my brother, of course, had to go to the expensive one out in Connecticut, Trinity College, and they paid the bill on that. But then, then my mom's job told her that she needed to get a college degree in order to keep her job. Don't you love that? So there were four members of our family having to go to college. And then my dad's church came to him and said, this church is growing and growing. You need a master of business. You're going to have to get a business degree or you can't keep your job. So all five of us were going to college. Now my dad made a little less than $30,000 a year. He was a pastor and still is. And they were paying, the ch- they were giving the church 10% of what God had given them every single year. But it became this burden and this burden in their life and they prayed about it and they prayed about it, but they just kept following God because they felt that God was telling them that they should do this. I kid you not, true story, one day my mom gets a phone call back in the days when phones had like a cord on them. And she picks up the phone, or somebody picks up the phone and says, the phone says, hello, this is Ian McKenzie from Scotland. And we said, mom, it's for you. She's from Scotland. And she answered the phone, hello. And they said, this is Ian McKenzie. Oh, hi, Ian, how you doing? She gets a Scottish accent whenever she talks to people from Scotland. <laughs> Good to hear your voice. Well, said Ian McKenzie, have you ever heard of a Miles Morrison? No, said my mother, I never have. Oh, yes, he was a great uncle, 13 times removed from the north of Scotland. Oh, yeah, I remember Miles. Well, he died. Oh, that's terrible, said my mom. Well, you don't remember him, said Ian. No, I don't. Well, he remembers you. In fact, he left you a fairly large settlement from his estate. And he wanted you to know that you could use it for educational purposes. Do you have any educational needs? (laughs) I was like, oh, why, we do. (laughs) Not long thereafter, true story, Ian McKenzie sent a check with pounds by the side of it. That's the Scottish monetary system. And it paid for, to the penny, all five degrees. Now, I give that story to you just as one example, and I know you have them, of our family walking towards God, listening for what God wanted us to do, and then God leaning in. Now, God will do the same in your life, and I can't say that it'll happen exactly like that in a phone call. But in some strange way, God will lean in when we walk towards God. And so I want to just lift up four spiritual principles. Again, Dave Ramsey is one you can get some very practical advice from, but not today. Today, I want to lift up four spiritual things I've learned about debt. The first thing is this. Being faithful with debt is actually the process of giving God our debt. Being faithful with our debt is actually begins by us saying, Lord, here's my debt. It's yours. This dad was real upset about his son. It was graduation day, and his son had just graduated, and he had to pay out the nose and 
graduation feast, but the mom said one, she wanted to get a picture of the two guys together, and so she said, hey guys, can't you pretend like you like each other a little bit? Like, could you put your arm around each other? That would look a lot more natural. And, and, and the dad said, if you want to make it look more natural, why don't you put his hand in my pocket? <laughs> Ouch. Okay. So the amazing thing about our God is this. He wants all the good things in our lives. Everything good in your life, your, your spouse, your house, your car, your, the place you live, God wants us to say, this is yours, God. You've given it to me, and I'm giving it back. I had a powerful reminder of this this last week. One of the hardest experiences of my entire life, I took my, my favorite dog, Honey, into the vet on Wednesday. And I just had this strange feeling my dog was not well for a long time, and then, and then we took her in, and the doctor said, well, we really do need to do some tests. Don't you hate that? We need to do some tests. So she stayed the night, and I got a call from the vet the next morning saying, it's not good that we have found cancer, lung cancer, throughout Honey's lungs. I said, I mean, Honey never even smoked. I mean, (laughs) but he said, no, this is not funny, Graham. This is serious, and I recommend that you put your dog down sometime today. I I couldn't believe it. I went into the vet, and they brought the dog in, and she was grunting. I put my hand underneath her throat, and she went, "Mm, mm, mm." She was in pain. And so I said, Honey, thank you for being such a good dog. Thank you for never biting anyone and being kind to everybody. And then the vet came in and I said, God, thank you for this dog. Thank you for giving me this dog for a little while and now I'm going to give her back to you. And then they put her down. But I will tell you, I could not get through that experience if I wasn't able to say, God, this is yours back again. So God wants all the good things in our life. And he wants the bad stuff. This is the amazing thing about God. This is what the cross is all about. Jesus went to the cross to take all of our greed, all of our jealousy, all of our envy, all of our lust, and our debt. Think about that. If we are not giving God our debt, then God went to the cross for not all that he could in your life. I mean, Caleb and Theater 3 sing that amazing song, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin have left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. That means our debt. That's number one. We actually have to give our debt to God, number one. Number two is this. Faith is about walking towards God step by step by step. It's not about leaping towards God. It's not about doing it overnight. It's about walking towards God. This famous sculptor was uh, designing a great sculpture of a lion for the Detroit Lions. It was a beautiful piece of white marble. A little boy comes into the sculpture and says, what are you doing? And the sculptor says, I am releasing a lion from this piece of white marble. The little boy said, there's not a lion in there. The sculptor says, you bet there is. You come back in one week and I will show you. I will let this lion out. So chip by chip by chip by chip by chip, that sculptor took away all the pieces and the little boy came back and there was this great lion. God has a freedom inside what he wants you and I to have. It is inside that marble piece of, of, of stone that we call debt. He wants to release freedom. One of the most powerful sermons I've ever heard is Matt Fox's sermon he gave on January 1st. Matt's the guy who came up and did announcements in the beginning, the guy with no sense of humor whatsoever. <laughs> but if you listen to that sermon January 1st, you remember that he talks about walking through the process of losing weight. Matt has lost something like 100 pounds. I mean, 
step by step. Yeah, give him a hand. Amazing. And he talks about how easy it would have been just to be able to take it all up, but you can't. You have to take a pound by pound by pound and walk in that direction. That's number two. Number three is we actually do have to, to change our lifestyle a little bit. So there was this millionaire uh, woman, and she said to her friend, uh, you know, before my, I married my husband, he was not a millionaire. I helped make him a millionaire, she said to her friend. The, the friend said, wow, that's amazing. Well, what was he before he met you? And she said, he was a billionaire. <laughs> so we, we have to work on this. Now look, I'm asking you to work on the hardest thing. God knows the hardest thing for us to work on. Two-thirds of all the texts in the New Testament that Jesus talks about are about money. Because he knows this is a spiritual battle for us. One time, a young man comes in to see Jesus. He had the Bible nailed. He had the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, the Torah. He knew all of the laws, the Levitical codes. He'd done everything. And he said, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? He's expecting to get an A plus on his report card. And Jesus says, only one more thing. Start to change the way you deal with money. Start to deal with the fact that you are always taking money and never giving money. And the man went away knowing that he couldn't do that. And do you know something? You and I can't do that either. We can't. The only way for us to change the way we relate to money, the way we think about money, is to actually give that whole idea to God. The last thing for you to that, this is what I've learned about spiritual principles of debt, that it is spiritual. It's not just practical. I just looked at the calendar. There are literally 69 days until Easter. 69. We just had Christmas. Easter is early April 8th this year. It's 10 weeks, two months. And for centuries, Christians have done a lot during this process before Easter, this process of cleaning out, clearing out, moving out debris from our hearts so that when April 8th comes, we can actually really understand the power of the cross. One of the areas of debris in my life, and I know your life, is this thing called debt. And I think God wants us to work on that up until Easter. There's a famous painting that was recently sold by a Russian artist by the name of Vasily. It sold for 1.3 million pounds at Christie's auction. What's interesting about this painting, I'll step back so you all can see it, is that they described it as simply crucifixion outside of the temple. And as you can see, there's hardly any idea of a crucifixion there at all. It's just a bunch of people. The person who bought it brought it into his home and he noticed It was actually three crucifixions on the side. But the more that he looked at that painting and prayed about that painting, the more he noticed that it wasn't just three crucifixions. It was the crucifixion of Jesus. When we clear out the things in our lives that that block our hearts, God really can come through in our lives. And we really can focus on the debt that we owe to him. And that's what God wants us to do, and then we will really have the joy God wants us to have. Shall we pray? God, thank you for your Holy Spirit. It is only by the power of your Holy Spirit that we can move this mountain. I pray, Father, that you would work in our lives in ways that we don't even know. I pray that you would help us, some of us, to give you our debt for the first time in our lives. Some of us have been so ashamed of it, and we've tucked it away, and yet we know that you want all of our lives. So we give you that today.
then Lord, I pray that as we give you our debt, you would help us to just walk in faith towards you and that we know as we do that that you will lean into our lives in some way and we will do our best to change our lifestyle and we know that only by the power of the Holy Spirit can you actually change our hearts. And finally, Lord, we ask that you would help us to know you and love you and know what we owe you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This has been a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org.